Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. I've consulted well over 200 manufacturing organizations throughout my career on marketing strategy. And without a question, one of the biggest problems I've observed time and time again is a lack of alignment between sales and marketing. In today's conversation, my guest will talk about why those silos emerge, what dangers and missed opportunities they create, and the role your marketing and sales technology stack can play in tearing them down. Let me introduce him. John Joyce is a seasoned professional with over two decades of experience in industrial marketing and technology. John's firsthand experiences led him to launch Bridger.io, an integration platform tailor-made for industrial challenges. Bridger.io bridges the gap between systems, harmonizes operations, and minimizes costs through sophisticated automation and integration. Beyond his contributions to Bridger, John also lends his strategic expertise to businesses as a fractional CMO, tailoring marketing strategies and optimizing tech stacks to their specific needs. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. You know, it sounds so professional when you say it like that. I really like it. Yeah, you just (laughs) needed to have that podcaster voice to read it out loud for you, right? Yeah, it was nice. (laughs) All right, nice. Well, thank you. I guess I'm off to a good start, huh? Yeah, yeah. Good to be here. Good to see you again. Yeah, that's great to have you on the show. You and I have talked a few times over the years and glad we kind of figured out a topic here that I think is very relevant to our audience in an area where you have lots of experience and expertise to share. So I'm excited to get into the conversation here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, John, I know you've been in this industrial marketing world for a long time and would love to hear a little bit of your backstory before we get into the meat of it and what led you to where you are today, both as an industrial marketing consultant and a founder of Bridger. I have been, as you said, in industrial marketing for many years, actually in the broader field of marketing in general for many years and slowly over that time, niching down into industrial marketing because Personally, I find the challenge of it interesting. So I've been in marketing for manufacturing as a director of marketing and a global marketing director for a number of years. I also had an agency, not unlike your agency, for a number of years and then sold that off and became a consultant working with just a few hand-picked clients. So I've kind of been in a lot of different roles in and around marketing on both sides of the desk, so to say, and currently am very comfortable as a fractional CMO, which may be a new term for some, but it just means kind of leading the marketing effort from the highest level for industrial companies, but just for a few, and then working with either internal people or or a network of partners to actually do the execution of the marketing. And then because of that background, I was continually running into technical challenges that people in marketing face, because as you know, over that period of time, marketing became really, really, really more 
technologically driven than it ever has before. And it's just continuing in that direction. It's not getting less technical. It's just getting more and more technical, automated, software-based, data-based, data-driven, whatever way you want to say it, it's just becoming more and more technical. I'm a technical guy, so I grew up in a family of software. My dad had a virtual company with no headquarters, like back in the 70s when nobody was doing this. And so I grew up with like COBOL and Fortran and virtual company and all of this kind of concept many years ago. So I've always been very software oriented, computer oriented. And so I just see these problems and dive in and develop solutions for people because I could. And because I like that, it's part of the challenge of it. That's why I founded Bridger, really, because I just keep seeing people struggling with these same problems. And I know it's just a perennial problem. How do we make these different systems talk together? Or we have all this great data over here, but we can't really act on it. So I started developing solutions. And I know a lot of manufacturers are facing these same exact problems just from experience again talking to manufacturers and oh yeah we're working with these same distributors they have the same data requirements we can't meet either so that's how bridger was born just helping manufacturers kind of with the same struggles that they're having sharing information essentially so that's a super quick overview of my background and what brings us to our topic today That's great. And I mean, like you, I talk to a lot of manufacturing leaders. I get to peek inside a lot of different B2B manufacturing organizations and it's a real problem. You know, this kind of siloing of data and not having systems talking to each other. So I definitely have seen it and agree that there's a major need out there and we're going to get into kind of tech stack alignment and all that in this conversation. But I'd love to start a little higher up, a little broader just around this topic of getting marketing and sales aligned. And I think what I really would love to hear from you is, because I think you and I are both in agreement about this, but that alignment of marketing and sales really needs to be driven from the top down. You know, This show is the manufacturing executive because it is really designed for CEOs and presidents and owners and leaders in manufacturing organizations. And it's those people who really, from at least my perspective, need to own it and kind of take it by the horns and say, We need these two very important parts of our organization working together, being in sync. Can you give us your perspective on that? So in my experience, CEOs tend to be of a particular emphasis, let's just say. So like a CEO might be production-oriented, he might be engineering-oriented, he might be sales-oriented, or he might be marketing-oriented. I think the last category is the least that I've run into a lot of times. It's a guy who knows a lot about the products and the engineering or the production, knows a little less about sales, but has had to learn sales and knows the least about marketing. But marketing and sales are like two cylinders of a V-twin engine. Like you have both of them running together to fuel the whole pipeline that production and all the other things satisfies. They have to work together. And generally, because of the CEO's personal inclinations, trickle out through the whole company in an unbelievable way. Like uh, they're the leader of the whole company, right? So they will build a company or a company will form around them, whether they're doing it purposely or not, that is aligned the way they're aligned. So if they're real sales oriented, 
then they'll emphasize sales and marketing. They don't maybe don't fully understand it or they don't understand how it fits in with sales. So it gets underemphasized. So you have this B-twin engine that's only firing on one cylinder or it's like half firing on the other cylinder instead of fully firing on both of its cylinders. That's where you run into some problems because especially in this day and age, meaning post-COVID, even in manufacturing, there's been a massive shift that has always been happening, but really got hammered through COVID of shifting away from sales and towards marketing. So there was a period of time when sales, traditional sales, like guys in the field calling on customers, basically stopped or ground to a complete halt. And it really revealed when companies weren't doing the marketing side of it well enough that they were unable to really engage the way they needed to. Marketing is kind of like the air support to to shift to another metaphor. Marketing is kind of like the air support to the ground support, which is sales. So without that kind of air support, the sales team can't be as effective as they should be. And then if you're removing those ground troops sort of from the battle because people are shifting away, they don't want to see salespeople, they don't want to talk to salespeople, they want to find the information themselves, they want to educate themselves, then you really need that kind of like background of marketing doing the fighting for you because that's where marketing shines is the newer mode of transactions, which is that the person, the customer wants access to the information to make the decisions themselves. They don't want to get that information through a person, i.e. a salesperson. They want direct access to that information, i.e. websites, collateral, and all that kind of training materials and that kind of stuff. And that kind of communications is really the strength of marketing. So that's where those two cylinders need to work together and need to support each other. Yeah, that was all really well said. I agree with you. John, what do you think are some of the problems that start to emerge when marketing is kind of doing their own thing and sales is doing their own thing and they're not really communicating or working in harmony? Well, I mean, the bottom line that's happening is sales is hindered. So you have a harder time selling. Some examples is like the brand is unheard of. So if you're a sales guy and you go out there and you're representing a brand, it could be a multinational company, but you walk into some office of, of some customer and they've never heard of you, then that's a marketing problem, not a sales problem, right? That means the brand is weak and, and hasn't ever been heard of. Or in general, if there's a customer out there searching for something and you're not ranking, um, then they never find you. And if they're trying to do business with you kind of in the newer modality of, I want to be making my own decisions and finding my own information, they can't find you. So then you're missing sales. So the end result of all of it is you're missing sales. But another result is if your sales heavy and marketing weak is the sales team is unsupported and they're each doing their own thing, their own way. A lot of times possibly presenting the company differently between different salespeople saying different things. They don't have the benefit of somebody, a team, a marketing team that's gathering insights from the customer base 
distilling them into messaging that really hits customer pain points and then equipping that team to go out in the field with materials and kind of verbiage, you know, just things to say that are on target with what the customer is thinking. And you may have one sales guy over here who's doing an excellent job of reading the customers and he understands how to sell the product in the competitive landscape, but the whole organization isn't doing that effectively because really it's marketing's role to kind of get those insights from the customer, get those insights, even from the sales team, kind of understand them, turn them into messaging, and then project them back out, project the answers to those questions and problems back out ahead of the salesman and equip him to have the right things to say. So what happens is the salesperson doesn't have the right things to say, or some have it and some don't have it. And then instead, what they have to work on is price. So if you're in a scenario where your salesperson's solution is lower the price and you're as a sales manager, you're always like, okay, we don't want to bring price down. We want to keep the price up. We need to be projecting that we have value that we're bringing besides just, yeah, it's the same thing as what that guy makes. Then your sales guy, if they don't have those talking points, if they don't have evidence to bring, to back up those talking points, then they're going to try to close a sale. They're going to go to price. So that's what happens. You get some sales guys who can sell some and the majority who can't. And all the sales guys are running to low price, cutting prices to make a deal because they don't have something to say as to why I shouldn't cut the price, why it is worth it to do business with us because they don't have time to do all this thinking, all this research, this data mining, understanding the customer, turning it into, that's not their expertise either, turning it into talking points. But the marketing team does that and projects that constantly into the atmosphere, let's say. And the customer, when they reach out, should already be preconditioned with that understanding that these company A and company B is not the same. They may look the same, but they're not the same. Company A has these things that they do differently than company B. And I know there's some data that backs up that that will save me money in the long run. And it might cost more to buy their product. But the overall relationship with that company is worth it. And each sales guy on their own can't come up with all of that. You need the whole marketing team to really come up with that and be projecting that out in the space. Otherwise, you just find yourself in a race to the bottom on price because that's the only tool that a salesman has in their tool bag to sell with. That's what happens. Yeah, I think you summed that up really nicely. I talk about it in a similar way. Marketing's job is to uncover the insights, what actually matters to the people they need to reach and influence, be able to craft messaging that aligns with that and surround it with content that supports it and adds credibility and builds trust. And then it's it's a matter of how, how we get out there in front of those right people from the right companies. And I like the word you used, precondition them, like to be able to make sure they understand the value proposition and they understand what makes you different and they see you as a trusted advisor, which is what the best salespeople can do. But if marketing can do so much of that work ahead of the sale, it's a completely different sales conversation when you earn that opportunity to have one, when somebody walks in and already understands some of that as opposed to it all falling on the shoulders of the salesperson to do all that work. So I like the way you sum that up. 
It is. And you're not doing it in a vacuum. It's not like, oh, the marketing's great. That's not marketing and sales alignment either. You can have great marketing and bad alignment. So you also need to be infusing this into the sales team and the sales processes so that the salespeople are saying the same things that the marketing people are saying. And we're all on the same page. You could have all those good things still happening on the marketing side. And then really not have the sales team buying into it. Like they're just kind of either unaware because of silos. Like they really sort of only know because they happen to go to the company website and see it themselves. That's actually really easy to happen, especially when the company starts growing. The sales team doesn't really know what the marketing team's saying or why they're saying it. They just see it out there and they're like, oh, that's not good, right? You actually want training sort of happening. You want the sales team to understand, not just to see it happening out there in the field, but really to be going together with you in the same direction, on board with these ideas, not ignoring them or, oh yeah, the marketing team's just doing what they're doing and the sales team is just doing what they're doing, but you're working together. And actually another great way of making that happen from the marketing side is tapping into the sales team for insights. So recently I put a little poll out there on your industrial marketing live just to see what people thought was a pain points in industrial marketing. And one of the ones that came up highest was research. And I understand research is kind of scary. If you think of like real big time, like focus group type research and all this kind of stuff, it seems like an expensive big nut to crack. But one thing that I've always found is you can get 80% of the way they are on research if the marketing team is just talking to the sales team. Now there's sales and marketing alignment kind of on the research side where you're talking to the sales team as a marketing guy and saying, what are customers telling you? What are you hearing in the field that objections or what is the, I guess, kind of impression of the brand that the customers have that you're seeing or What's a bad impression that we need to correct or how are they getting it wrong or not understanding or what answers do you need when you go out there and talk to a customer? The sales marketing alignment on the research side with marketing going to sales and picking their brains, so to say, um, will get you 80% of the way there strategically from the research perspective. I'm not saying don't talk to customers, absolutely talk to customers, but salespeople are easier to reach. And they talk to customers all day long. And that's another aspect of sales marketing alignment that works in the opposite direction, where you, the marketing team can learn a ton from the sales team because their job is to know the customer. So you can align both ways. I think that's a great relationship building tactic as well for marketing to go to sales and to say, hey, tell me what you're seeing. I want to hear from you. Like What you have to say is valuable because you know the customer and you talk to them. And I think when you do that consistently, you're going to start to build trust as a marketer with the sales organization. They're going to feel more inclined to share insights with you. So I think it's a great practice, low-hanging fruit. It is. It's, it's super important. I don't know how many, there's so many marketers that seem to be doing their thing and they don't really talk to customers and I'm not sure they're talking to sales. Really, that information is, it's like a treasure trove for doing better marketing and doing better sales is really, you need to understand the customer and the sales team is one of the best ways. And some of the best ideas that we've ever executed marketing-wise 
are things that started from the sales team. So they don't know maybe the answer, but they know the problem. They'll be like, hey, this is a problem. What I would always do is if I heard the same problem come up from multiple salespeople, even just like a couple different salespeople brought me the same problem, I would say, aha, here's a major problem. Like one sales guy, I might say, okay, we'll see and we'll get to it if we have time. But if you hear it more than once, then it's like, okay, we really need to look into this and it might not be something you even ever thought of. But when you start digging into it, it might resonate like crazy. And all of a sudden it becomes, for instance, something that turns into your biggest lead magnet or some unique selling point that really hits home that you didn't notice, but some sales guy did. So yeah, marketing alignment with sales works in both ways. I agree. I mean, you hear those same insights maybe said in slightly different words coming from two, three, four, five places with your customer base, whether directly or through a salesperson that that should be a trigger to you to say, well, there's 10,000 more people out there who we don't know yet that look just like them that probably need to hear the same thing. And there's a messaging trigger, there's a content trigger. That's what you want to be thinking. Exactly. Like if one person is saying it, there's 500 that aren't saying it. Yeah. But are feeling it. 100%. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I'm really excited to announce an incredible event our team at Gorilla76 will be co-hosting in late January and early February of 2024 in Austin, Texas, just for marketers in the manufacturing sector. I'm going to hand it to our strategist, Peyton Warren, to give you the details. Hi, I'm Peyton Warren, strategist at Gorilla76. Over the past few years, our team has been running twice-per-month digital learning events for industrial marketers called Industrial Marketing Live. It's been a huge success, and we're seeing 50 to 100 manufacturing marketing folks show up regularly. But one thing this group has told us is that they've been itching for a live, in-person event just for them. Well, we're super excited to be teaming up with True Marketing and Kadena's Part Solutions to deliver exactly that. January 31st through February 2nd of 2024, we'll be co-hosting the Industrial Marketing Summit in Austin, Texas. We have an incredible lineup of speakers for day one who will be covering topics that include SEO in the dawning era of AI, high-impact product marketing, elevating the role of marketing within your manufacturing organization, and giving out a demand generation playbook for B2B manufacturers. And that just skims the surface. On day two, we'll be conducting in-depth breakout sessions to go deeper on some of these key topics and help you apply them inside your own organizations. Not only will this be an intensive learning event with some of the sharpest minds in the industrial marketing space, but we'll be hosting social events in the evenings with great food and venues for networking with other manufacturing folks who are trying to solve the same kinds of marketing challenges you are. We're limited to 300 seats, so visit industrialmarketingsummit.com to learn more and reserve your ticket. We'd love to see you in Austin. Well, John, you're a technology guy. I want to get into tech stack a little bit here. We've been talking more broadly about marketing sales alignment. Let's talk about what happens when the tech stack, the marketing and sales technology stack, software stack is insufficient. How does that contribute to these silos of marketing and sales? So besides having just conceptual or strategic silos, you can also have technology silos because a lot of times marketing and sales is led by two different people. Or maybe sales is, maybe marketing isn't even being led by anybody, but 
the departments can be siloed because there are very different disciplines, sales and marketing, right? So you have different kinds of people doing different kinds of things, using different kinds of software. They grow up organically disconnected generally. So you've got, you know, one team doing one thing and another team doing another thing. And so the end result of that is that instantaneous sharing of knowledge becomes in difficult to impossible, or you have like a lot of manual processes that form like the connection between the two departments. You don't want more barriers for sales and marketing alignment. One of the ways of getting them more aligned is breaking down barriers. And the technology is definitely a barrier point. So one real obvious thing it looks like is in the area of leads. A KPI for marketing is often leads, right? So generation of leads. I know we're not all 100% focused on lead gen, but it is definitely a KPI that is near and dear to people's hearts, right? So marketing does do a lot of lead gen activities and is often judged on generation of leads. But what happens to those leads? And are they good leads? And who's acting up on those leads or following up on those leads? And are we even following up on those leads? Is like one of those issues of tech disalignment. So I've definitely seen it before where leads are being generated by the bucket load and they're literally just pouring out on the floor or pouring out into an Excel spreadsheet, which is just like pouring out on the floor. And nobody really knows or can say what is happening with those leads. And as a marketing guy, you hate that, right? You're working so hard to create leads if that's one of your KPIs. And then to see them just getting wasted is just a huge tragedy. You're just like, no, no, don't waste my leads. Like, you know how hard it was to get to generating 800 leads a month off of this thing. It was a long uphill battle. Don't tell me that we only have the capacity to handle 20 leads a month and the rest are just like grown out or something like that. So sometimes this structural, I've seen situations where you have to reorganize the team even to effectively handle the leads. But A lot of times it's technological, meaning the leads just aren't getting from system A to system B. Marketing is doing its thing, marketing to these leads, but there's no point in time where sales engages or they engage at the very, very, very end of the process when everything is already done. They would probably prefer and get better results to engage earlier on. So that's one thing, leads just not being well handled. Another thing is not getting good business intelligence either in sales or in marketing. So what I mean by that is in sales, they don't know anything about the leads. So a lead comes in, great. What can you tell me about this lead? Well, really, at scale, you get no information other than this is a lead. They filled out, at best, maybe they filled out this form. This is their address. This is their email. But what would be much more helpful is like, oh, what products was this guy looking at? Maybe by, if I could see the whole history of what he was browsing or what he downloaded, like is easy to see in something like a HubSpot, I might be able to then understand this lead a little better, especially if I'm selling multiple kinds of things or in multiple verticals or multiple markets that have want different product mixes. I don't want to call this guy up and try to sell him product B When he has no interest in product B, that might get shut down right away and never get another chance to talk to this guy because essentially I'm uninformed, right? That's BI coming from marketing to sales. And then the reverse is also true. 
marketing doesn't necessarily know what's working or not. They know what produces leads. They don't know what leads are closing, what value there is in these leads or where they're going or what's ultimately being produced. So what you end up with on the marketing side is, yeah, we know we're making leads and we know sales are going up in general, but it's not strong enough business intelligence to make decisions on what's working and what isn't working. What do we need to do more of and what do we need to do less of? So if we're doing 10 different things across all these different markets and sales are going up, that's great, but I can't cut out the five things that aren't working and spend double on the five things that are working and then double our response with the same money. I can't do that if I can't differentiate what's working and what's not working. So you get wasted money, wasted opportunities, and just bad customer experience because on every touch point, the person isn't completely informed. You don't really know your customer because your systems are disconnected. So then the next person who, who contacts that person human to human is in the dark. That'll show they really, okay, we're one of your biggest customers in this area, or we just ordered whatever. And I may not even know that if there's disconnects in the flow of information. That's not good. Yeah, I agree. I see a lot of this stuff going on out there for sure. So, you know, John, I talked to enough companies that consult presidents, CEOs, directors of sales and marketing, et cetera, that they might have Salesforce in place as a CRM and tell me that, you know, yeah, but we're not really using it. Or, you know, a few people are and a few people aren't. We've, I talked to enough companies that are using spreadsheets or a whiteboard still, believe it or not. And you see a lot of companies don't know what a marketing automation platform is. What, from your perspective, knowing that we're talking to manufacturing leaders of all shapes and sizes on this podcast, give, me, give us like the 101, what's the, the basic essential tech stack from a marketing and sales technology standpoint that you think a company should have in place? I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. I've actually been asked questions like this a bunch of times, but I don't think there's an easy answer because I think every situation is different. And what a $5 million or a $40 million or a $400 million organization needs is completely different. But if I was to say, pick one segment and say something like 20 to $40 million companies, I would say you could be very well served by a consolidated platform like HubSpot, and I'm not a HubSpot rep, but I think HubSpot or something like it has a great combo of marketing automation and sales CRM capabilities at a kind of small, let's just say small business scale. I think something like one consolidated big platform is a great solution. It does not necessarily work in large companies that have, for instance, international operations or lots of different companies working together where things are segmented. It works nice if everything's nice and small and packaged. When you get big and broken up and you can't keep it small and packaged anymore, you need your needs are more complex. And that's a whole other discussion. But for the smaller guys, I think a platform like this. But for anybody in general, I think what you need you definitely should have marketing automation software on some level. There should be some thing that you can use to track activity on the website and activity via email and activity via social and use to convert leads and manage lists and create lead magnets and 
all of that. It would be ideal if it also connects into your ERP and you can get sales information and things like that also into it. And then you need a CRM. And those two might be separate. On HubSpot, you got them both in one, but it could be like a HubSpot Salesforce kind of combo or whatever. But there should be some sort of CRM piece that helps you to manage the ongoing relationship with the customer and possibly even the CSR piece, like a ticket system or a customer, not just an outbound customer, like, let me make sure you feel good. CRM systems are usually great for that kind of thing, but a system for tracking inbound customer issues, like a ticketing system. Again, you get all these things in like a HubSpot package, but once you're bigger than HubSpot, for HubSpot to work nice and neatly, then generally these pieces are still there, but they're in separate software packages and need to be integrated on some level. That's when it gets more complicated. If you're small, I would try to aggregate into one platform instead of picking up a bunch of different platforms. I just feel like it's very easy to do that because you've got one guy who leads the CSRs, one guy who's leading sales, one guy is leading marketing, and they all pick the thing that they think works best for them. And I understand that. But one thing that's unique to the CEO in this relationship is, in general, like none of these department heads are going to be worrying about the overall intercommunication between the different departments. Okay, sometimes they'll worry about some certain pain points, but there's nobody like really saying in sales, oh, if we could only see what marketing was doing, because generally they're not even aware that that might be possible or what they could see if they had access to a HubSpot or had that data right at their fingertips to see, oh, he did this chat with this CSR. Oh, he had this ticket issue. Oh, he's been looking at these products. I can see everything he's doing within the company and then reach out to him because I saw that he had an issue and called tech support and or reached out to a CSR or chatted on the website. There's nobody in all the departments who's really looking out for that, usually in a small company. That's where the CEO can kind of be like, hey, it's actually important that we're all working together. I think left to themselves, the departments, they're not generally judged on they're working together. They're judged on their results and they're really focused on getting their results. So something the CEO can do is come in and say, actually, it's super important that you guys share information that we built the company in a, such a way that our technology enables the breaking down of the barriers between sales and marketing and ERP and CSRs and everybody. And that our technology allows us to really know the customer as a company throughout the entire customer experience. The CEO is uniquely in a position to speak to all those departments and say, this is actually important that you all work together really well, play together well, share information really well. Because in the end, if you don't, the customer pays the price for that. And that will lower sales. It will, because if a customer gets a bad experience, they'll go to a vendor who provides them a better experience. So you as a CEO, you're looking at the bottom line and you're in the position to influence the whole company. This really lands on you to drive organizational change, to adopt a unified technology stack on one way or the other, either integrated or like a single platform, because nobody's going to gravitate to it just accidentally. Yeah. I love when I talk into a manufacturing organization and they're running on full stack HubSpot, CRM and marketing automation all on the same platform, or even Salesforce, HubSpot, which play really nicely together naturally. 
But more often than not, it's, well, we've got this ERP system that's got this CRM functionality kind of baked into it that we're sort of using and we're using whatever Pardot on the marketing automation front and or whatever. You see these situations a lot. I think that's part of the reason why you kind of identified a need there and be able to tie different data sources together with Bridger.io. But I wanted to let you just talk about what purpose Bridger serves and how it kind of helps solve some of that data syncing challenges that so many manufacturers have? Basically, as somebody in marketing, in industrial marketing, and also running into these same challenges, like I would be frustrated, even with HubSpot, I've done a lot using HubSpot. I'm very pro HubSpot, obviously, but there's other ways of doing it. It's not a perfect platform. And like you're saying, you don't get ERP data magically into HubSpot. There's a lot of data that's out there and it's not necessarily all just magically flowing into HubSpot. Even if you're using HubSpot and Salesforce, which have like an out of the box integration, it's actually very easy if you've done any customizing on your Salesforce, especially to make that integration broken. A lot of times people think integration is just the salespeople of the software will see, yeah, it integrates with XYZ and Um, It's all very easy to, it has a complete API and all of this. But in reality, because of the customization of business systems, it's nearly impossible that just like out-of-the-box integrations work perfectly all the time. So that creates problems and I like to solve problems. So that's how I created Bridger is just because I was running into this frequently like a sample use case is oh we have all this cadenas data from our cad system on our website people are downloading cad all the time cadenas has its own login it maintains its own accounts maintains its own stats how do we get that data we can't act on any of that data we don't know who these people are or you could log into cadenas and download spreadsheets or it'll mail a spreadsheet to you but still then every week or whatever you're Somebody's going in and downloading a spreadsheet. If they're off sick, those leads don't come in. If they leave and somebody else comes in, that data is not coming across. It's not coming across instantly. It's coming across whenever that person wants to do it or gets around to it. And it may still not go into your HubSpot the way you want it to. So one of the integrations I have is to integrate your Cadenas download data into HubSpot. So I'm a the official integration solution for Cadenas to move data into HubSpot from their solution. It also works for Salesforce and Microsoft Dynamics and Microsoft Azure Data Lakes and some other things. But the point is, there's a lot of people out there who have even just a simple task, like I need to get all my CAD download data put into my HubSpot or my Salesforce, the way I have my Salesforce set up and the way I like the data to come in. And that means you're going to need some help doing it. It won't just plug in, like turn on a switch and it's automatic. So basically Bridger.io is just solving those kind of very common issues I keep running into over and over or issues that manufacturer clients bring to me and say, this is a problem. And then I find actually all manufacturers are having the same problem. Another example is some of the big Distribution houses, the national industrial distributors, such as Motion Industries, Applied Industrial Technologies, Fastenal Granger, they have programs for getting your 
data into their systems and they're usually all proprietary and it could be product info, but it could also even be bi-directional inventory info. There's a number of ways that these organizations want to share data with their suppliers, the manufacturers, and they're all unique. They all do it their own way. And every manufacturer is unique. So unfortunately, there's no simple solution. And most manufacturers are left on their own to develop some sort of connection to Motion Industry Supplier Connect. Because I've already done it, and I've done it multiple times, I can say, okay, I don't need to, to develop the Motion side. I already have that piece. I just need to integrate with your software. If it's Epicor, I've already done that. If it's Tribute, I've already done that. If it's SAP, I've already done that. There's a lot of integrations that are already in place on the other side. So that's a very unique to manufacturing and industrial distribution scenario where a manufacturer needs to do an integration and there's no kind of like built-in way to do it. That's what Bridger.io does. It tries to solve these kind of scenarios that manufacturers are running into. And there's more, but that's just like a couple of, I guess you could say kind of like case studies or like specific examples of where I can connect data and share data and break down barriers either between sales and marketing or between distribution and manufacturing. Well, I'm glad I'm aware of your software now, John, because honestly, I wish it was there five or 10 years ago and I probably would have a whole bunch of additional customers for you. But maybe going forward, we'll have some applications because it's yeah, these are real problems that I see often. And I think this episode is a testament to why we need the data alignment and the broader alignment of marketing and, and sales. So I'm for sure. thanks for creating it. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I wanted to call attention to the fact that you're going to be on stage on February 1st in Austin, Texas at the Industrial Marketing Summit, which those of you who have been listening to this podcast recently have heard a bit about. We've got a really great lineup of speakers that day and, and a couple of workshops the next day. And you're, you're one of the people on stage. So you want to just kind of give us a quick overview of what you're going to be talking about? First of all, I'm super excited about the summit. It is, as an industrial marketer, the only event that I'm aware of that's like 100% focused on industrial marketing, which is super unique area. A lot of great people. I'm very excited just to see everybody and learn from everybody and grow and also give my presentation. Obviously, what I'm going to be talking about is finding that balance between using technology and still being a human. So I think with all this technology, and I talk about tech a lot because I do a lot of tech stuff, but the reality is we're humans marketing to humans, and it's easy to focus on tech stacks. It's easy to focus on marketing automation workflows. It's a little harder to focus on humans. It's even harder, I think, to be a human as an organization, right? To be human in your marketing, let's say. A lot of times, the humanness goes out the window, the personalization in the real sense, not just, hi, first name. We're glad to be talking to you in this email today personalization. I mean, like really knowing your customer and really revealing that you know your customer so that they feel known in your marketing. I think that's the challenge. This talk will be, how do you balance that? How do you do technology, but still keep your humanity? And a big part of that is creativity, not just templativity, but creativity where you can interject humanness into your marketing and make it more real while still doing it at scale. 
So that's kind of the nuts and bolts or the 60,000 foot view of how can we implement technology and still be humans and not just build massive AI powered spam bots at scale, which is unfortunately what I think things will rush to first. But we as marketers need to fight that urge and say, no, I want to take advantage of technology, but be human. Love it. Such a great topic. More important now than ever before with just this onslaught of AI technology that people, I think, think is a replacement for things that need to remain human or at least need to be balanced with the human touch. So can't wait to hear your session. Can't wait to meet you in person. It's going to be an awesome event. Check out industrialmarketingsummit.com and send your marketer there. If you're not a marketer, send your marketer there. It's going to be an awesome, awesome event. And John, great conversation today. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about Bridger.io? Yeah, the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very active on there. So you just search John Joyce on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Also, you can learn more at Bridger.io, B-R-I-J-R.io, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the platform. Well, John, thanks for doing this today. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Fun as always. You bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.